Hey, Fred, thanks for joining me. You are a security professional. You've been around the world. Your company, Stratfor, it's it's all about intelligence and security functions. Right now, we're having a limited series. I'm trying to get everybody I know um, within my, my sphere that has an idea of how to mitigate stress, fear, and other issues. And you and I had a quick talk before this about how you and your wife went out to just grocery shop, just a quick run out to the grocery shopping this weekend. And you see people out there like, you know, hey, we're going to go party, et cetera. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, my wife and I ran out yesterday to pick up some loose items for our uh, preparation. Uh, and it's shocking to me on the streets of Austin how many people are just going about their day. It, it doesn't appear to have <clears throat> Uh, any self-isolation uh, taking place. Obviously, we were in violation of that ourselves, uh, but we went to the store and came home. But uh, pretty much every business had people moving in and out, restaurants, uh, as well as coffee shops. So uh, that's something that I think uh, is interesting. I, I don't know if people are in denial uh, or people just don't think that these kinds of things can happen to them. Well, that's one thing I wanted to bring up was it's not just a denial thing. It's the, the lack of, well, there's one empathy. And the other is there was someone I saw on Twitter today. It was a young girl. And she's like, hey, I can go out. I could party. I could do whatever I want because I'm young. It's not going to affect me. But, you know, one of my backgrounds is uh, forensic science. And one of the, they don't understand about cross-transference. They don't understand that a, a particle can go on you and get to someone who might be in that critical stage. So these are the other things that are it just it's it's kind of almost enraging. Well, it really is. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's face it. Uh, uh, Americans are like this uh, with uh, without some sort of uh, legal requirement. And I don't know how the heck you would even enforce it anyway, uh, with reduced staffing at times uh, in cities under a lot of public public safety stressors anyway. Uh, which is another issue that that you and I were chatting about before we went on the air. Uh, that's one of the things that I don't see a lot of people talking about is, you know, as firefighters or EMTs or paramedics or police officers go down, uh, do you start to see uh, minimum staffing requirements per shift if you're on at roll call? Uh, or let's say uh, your four-man engine company drops down to a three-person team uh, or a ladder company and so forth. So uh, when do we start to see that impacting? Uh, and then uh, the burdens placed just on public safety, not to mention the public health stressors that are currently underway. No, I ab I absolutely agree about that is, you know, and this is the protector show, and this is for the military, the veterans, the LEO emergency response community, but, and it's for the people that support them. So when your loved one is out there, um, that has to be out there. You also have to think about the families. Everybody else is worried. Or is, it, it feels like this is something unprecedented in the United States. So well, yeah, it's it's a it's a, a multifold factor. It really is. I mean, uh, look, I, I I'm an old man now, and uh, I've never seen anything like this in in my lifetime uh, globally. Uh, certainly, we've seen uh, tremendous disruptions of air and travel and business. For example, on September the 12th, 
after the 9-11 attack. But if you start looking at this from a global perspective, literally, when have we ever seen this before? And then the ramifications here domestically from churches to uh, sporting events to gatherings of any kind. Uh, And then I also think about it just being a former cop and a former agent like you and I with these backgrounds, uh, you start looking at response time. Let's say already you're in a environment where your response time is six to seven minutes for uh, an emergency in progress, like a burglary or an armed robbery. If you have reduced police officers to, and that goes up to 12 to 15 minutes, you know what are those kinds of social ramifications, public safety impacts, and just those kinds of stressors that are placed upon the system? No, absolutely. And that's, it's this, like I said, it was a multifold factor. And that's a lot of times, if you could have the, if you have the opportunity to, to you know, stock up some extra food, stay away from going outside or, or doing anything to, you know, kind of self quarantine, I shouldn't say quarantine in a way, but you're going to lessen the burden on the first responders because the more people out there right now, the more you have the possibility of getting, uh, transferring it if you even come in contact with it but also those emergency responders have to respond to anything that happens with you whether that's a car accident burglary robbery anything it's just it's kind of like a ripple effect without a doubt and then you look at uh tsa screeners you look at uh federal uh, air marshals uh think Mm -hmm. about uh the secret service agents assigned to protect the president and visiting heads of state uh, or uh, my old outfit, the Diplomatic Security Service, trying to protect the uh, resident diplomatic officials that are traveling or still mm-hmm. hunkered down in New York or Washington, D.C. So there's those kinds of impacts. Uh, and let's face it, you're dealing with a fixed number of assets, let's say the U.S. Border Patrol. Uh, yeah. And what happens if you get uh, 100 infected in some capacity in certain sectors? So you know, at what point does this impact that? Uh, you look at training academies like uh, Fletzy mm-hmm. down in Glencoe, Georgia, or other basic police academies. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've not seen any reports of police academies being uh, closed. But uh, we, that's probably in the planning phase if you start thinking about it. Yeah, you know, um, that is one thing we're thinking about right now is because I have a buddy that's out at Fletzy and for everybody out there who doesn't know, it's a federal law enforcement training center in, in Glencoe, Georgia. And I'd say probably 85, 90% of federal law enforcement goes there to train, whether that's basic academy advanced or other special training. I haven't heard of what's going on down there, but that does put, you know, it's not just the academy. It's all the workers, all the employees down there. It's everything that goes into a factor with this. It's like, this is a real situation and it's not to be paranoid. It's not to say, Hey, you know what? You need to, you know, stock up food for three months and go in your basement. What it's saying is take precautions, learn to deal with the fear. Now understand that the gravity of the situation before it all of a sudden hits you. Yeah. I think that's well said, Jason. I, I also think that You know, we get back to basic uh, civics, basic uh, citizen responsibility, your ability to take care of yourself and to think about your community and your neighborhood and so forth, uh, and think about uh, just doing this for the greater good of your community and and our nation, because uh, in essence, we're all going to have to come together 
uh, to try to combat this as this continues to spread across our, our great nation. Yeah, and I like how you said that greater good. Um, one thing I, I typically, my blood seldom boils. I, I try to keep uh, a cool head. But I read about the, um, as soon as it started happening, people driving around with the U-Haul trucks, buying out all the toilet paper, all the hand sanitizer, trying to essentially be war profiteers, being profiteers. So uh, it just drives me nuts when I see stuff like that. People aren't coming together for the greater good. No. Uh, now, uh, I want to think, uh, you know, if you look back at the over the course of history in our great nation, whether you're combating terrorism uh, uh, or going to war, uh, you know, our nation does come together. Uh, and let's face it, uh, it's moments like this that uh, will define uh, our, our nation and our generation. And so uh, we need to think about that as, as a society. I like how, you, you know, and that's one thing. It's not just you to say that, but you really bring it home is these will be the moments that define you. Are you going to profit off it? Are you going to be one of those greater good people? Are you just going to, hey, you know what? It's fine. Maybe you're not a greater good. Maybe you just want to kind of just do your thing, not harming other people, um, not spreading in any infectious diseases or anything like that. But this is a this is a time. I think um, I had Tony Blauer on yesterday, and he brought up a good thing, good point. This is almost like a medical 9-11, um, except 9-11 hit us like, you know, the next day, like you said, you could have Congress could be on the steps, everybody out there in unity. Um, we're going to get to a point where we're going to come unified. You can slowly see it happening now um, as more and more people um, understand the gravity of this situation, especially when you look at um, Italy, you look at all the other areas right now that are really quarantined off. Sure. Yeah. And you look at nation states like Iran, uh, which uh, certainly have been devastated, uh, uh, and then you look at the spread of this across Europe and you look at the, the travel restrictions that are in place and so forth. Uh, but, you know, I'm optimistic that, uh, you know, look, let, let's face it, our uh, Department of Homeland Security, our capabilities here in our country uh, far surpass most nation states. And uh, in many ways, 9-11 uh, taught us a very hard lesson. And to uh, uh, the point made about a medical 9-11, uh, there's going to be uh, extraordinary lessons learned from this when it comes to just preparation and planning and stockpiling of mm -hmm. certain things uh, that perhaps people have never thought about uh, other than uh, in, in some sort of uh, uh, war gaming scenarios, uh, such as hand sanitizers to plastic gloves to masks. So uh, this kind of event will be studied for literally for the next 100 years as to how the world has responded to this. And then just think about it from a, an operational perspective inside uh, entities like DHS uh, down to your local police or sheriff's department. Yeah, and that's one thing that we did learn from 9-11 was the integration of state locals and federals for these big emergency responding uh, tasks like this. Uh, when I worked for DHS, we had a program called the National Planners Course. I think it's now it's called the Planners Course. But what that did wasn't just law enforcement. What it did, what is it took law enforcement and like the FEMAs, the emergency responders, and put them all together in a room and said, okay, when things like this happen, we all need to game plan it. It's not just law enforcement over here. It's not just military over there. It's not just emergency responders over there. It's we all are one team in this fight. And that's what you're right. You're seeing that now. And you are going to see a humongous after actions report and reviews after this one. And, and let's face it, uh, you know, our nation has been confronted with these kinds of challenges in the past. Uh, 
and you look at Katrina, you look at some of the hurricane response capabilities and and uh, our ability to, to 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 get the system moving. At times, it's not at the speed that a lot of people understand, as you and I both know, because of our uh, federalized society and boiling down to local sheriffs and in, in states like Texas uh, and county judges all the way up to the FEMAs and the DHSs of the world. But when the system starts moving, uh, things start getting into place. And then also look at the wonderful response from the private sector. Uh, you know, whether you like President Trump or you don't, uh, you know, you look at the CEOs from the Walmarts and the CVSs of the world uh, standing mm-hmm. behind him uh, coming together uh, and trying to combat this or opening up their parking lots for testing and so forth. I mean, that's amazing. And what other nation in the world could, could do something like that with yep. so much uh, entrepreneurship that we have and just the supply chain capabilities. So, uh, you know, we're starting to see that kind of thing kick in, which uh, to me is just very comforting and also wonderful. Yeah, and at the grassroots level too, it, you're seeing a lot of people step up. And I'm going to give a shout out to a lot of my Facebook, Insta, Twitter, and everybody else. They're stepping up and they're saying, hey, you know what? If someone down the road, a senior, a family in need, or anybody needs something, they'll be there. And I, I absolutely agree that they will be there. Um, I hold, believe, that's what I mean. I believe that they will be there. I mean, and that's what's great about um, a positive out of this whole situation is seeing the greater good come out in people. And that greater good doesn't necessarily have to be nation greater good, but greater good of just being the person next to you. Yeah, I think there's moments in time, Jason, uh, looking back over my lifetime, uh, you know, I, I was around when JFK was assassinated and I, you know, lived through the the late 60s with all the, uh, you know, assassinations of RFK and uh, Martin Luther King. And then you look, you progress into you know, the, the tremendous pressures on our nation in the, in the late 60s and the 70s with uh, the civil rights movement and the Vietnam War protests and the bombings of institutions a, a around the country. But uh, we've always been stressed and we've always been put in <clears throat> positions. And uh, I think that we're living through one now. Uh, this one uh, is one that uh, probably far exceeds expectations of what we could have seen. Uh, But you and I both know that the intelligence community have been game boarding these kinds of potentials for a long time, especially after 9-11. What if the biohazard uh, anthrax uh, problems or you get a terrorist group that, you know, carries out some sort of biohazard uh, or you get a nation state response? So uh, this is the kind of predicament that we're in right now. And that, uh, you know, we've got the best minds coming together, much like uh, we did with the Manhattan Project, mm-hmm. uh, in many ways, to try to deal with this. So uh, to me, it's, it's it, you know, it's, it, it's horrific to think about, but it's also, uh, I think, uh, just uh, fascinating to watch unfold, mm-hmm. not only from a citizen response, but just from the public safety kind of reaction to this. Yeah, and that's great. And, you know, if you stay off Twitter and you stay off some of the other social media platforms, you understand that there is a great thing going on right now. People want to generally work together and solve a problem. 
they're not, I mean, get away from politics and everything else. And you're going to see that there is a core group of people you never thought would ever work together or working together now. Yeah. And that's always been the case in America to me, for me to, to think about, uh, and uh, I, I, I have no doubt that we'll get through this. Uh, I think it's going to be painful and dreadful. And certainly the economic impact uh, is going to be horrific. Uh, but uh, we'll come through this uh, a lot better prepared. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly deal with uh, some lessons of this that will be hard lessons that we all collectively learn. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you have to do what's right. Uh, and you do have to follow the guidance that has been produced by, you know, the local, state and federal agencies uh, and try to um, hunker down and, and wait this out. Yeah, wait it out. Good point. Uh, stay away from big, large gatherings like parties. And uh, you know what? St. Patty's Day will be here next year. So, yeah, I don't get invited to many parties anyway, Jason. <laughs> you and me both. They were saying something like uh, the boomers are hunkering down in place and the the, uh, the Gen X people like me are like, hey, we got our we got our Netflix and we're right. going to hang out inside. But yeah, uh, it it would give me a lot of time to uh, to read, uh, research and uh, to work. Mm -hmm. on the so like, uh, you know, take advantage of these moments. Right. Absolutely. And that's like I always say, I always have three things going on as far as books. I have a nonfiction, a fiction and an audible. And I'm still on your uh, Beirut rules right now. And well, uh, you. you're definitely a subject matter expert in a lot of different fields when it comes to intelligence and security. And I, that's one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jason. It's very kind of you. Now, any parting words? Well, I think... Uh, as I look at this, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, uh, we are going to get through this. Uh, we're going to come out of this much stronger. Uh, we're going to learn some hard lessons. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, um, uh, this is what Americans do. Uh, we come together in times of trials and tribulations, and, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and we'll be better off uh, once we put this behind us. Absolutely. Fred, thanks a lot for coming on today. I really appreciate this. And everybody, check out Fred Burton and check out Stratfor. Um, Fred is an absolute subject matter expert, and he's a good guy. You know, I, I get a hold of Fred an hour and a half ago, and I'm like, "Hey, Fred, can you hop on a uh, a show?" And he's like, "Sure." So I really yeah. appreciate this. My my pleasure. But uh, I was uh, hunkered down anyway, so uh, <laughs> I appreciate you thinking of me, Jason, and, uh, and thank you so much for those very kind words. Thanks.